Okay, we're live. Live from Tampa, Florida. What a beautiful day it is today here for the Heritage, Vill Heritage Festival in uh, Tampa, Florida. That's right, we're downtown. This is Ken and Tom. We're live from the festival and uh, we're glad to be with you today. And we're trying to wake up America. That's right. We want to teach you guys. We're not really a political show. What we want to do is we're trying to be an educational show. So we're live from now on. And if you want to call in, you can call in to have a question. We'll be glad to talk to you while we're on the air. Not today, though, because we're not in the studio. But we do want to go live every Saturday morning so that you can call in with a political question. We keep the Constitution with us at all times so we can look it up during a break and we'd be glad to talk to you. We're really not interested in a political agenda. We're not a party. We're not part of the Democrats. We're not part of the Republicans. We're not part of anything. We're just two guys who are fed up and mad as hell. Yeah, we're not really interested in uh, changing your politics or your philosophy or anything. We just want you to, to take a look at what's going on in America today. We just had the, the, state, the State of the Union address by the President of the United States. And uh, according to him, everything's hunky-dory. Everything's beautiful. Everything is... Uh, uh, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, Utopia. We all live in Utopia. Yeah. So, but it is if you're the president of the United States and you can fly to to Hawaii whenever you want to and spend three hundred million dollars on vacations and in seven years and it's beautiful if you're a member of Congress and uh, sit there getting your hundred eighty thousand dollars a year and and uh, well, your that's vacations and your health care and everything. But for the average citizen like you and me. 50% uh, of the working population earns less than $30,000 a year. Things ain't so great. Amen to that, brother. So great. Go on. Yeah. So uh, let's wake up and, and let's smell the rose. We're, we're telling people that we need, we need representatives and leaders that are going to lead us and not just sit there and, and watch. And uh, it's, it's time for us to get off our rear ends and uh, become educated become uh, uh, see what's going on and become a little bit more involved especially in your local communities uh, your state communities and in your federal communities we have an election going get, getting ready to, to happen here in 2016 and we need to, to select candidates that are going to help remold America to what it was and, and, and put back some of the, the freedoms that we were expressing because you because me personally I don't want somebody telling me who my health care provider can be. I don't want somebody telling me who I can uh, uh, visit on a certain day. And I don't want to tell them to tell me how much I'm going to have to pay for health care. I want to be able to shop that around and go where I want to go. Isn't that right, Ken? That's right. That's right. One thing we got to remember what Thomas Jefferson said is that we Americans do not are not governed by the majority. We're governed by the majority that's involved. So if you're not involved, you're being you're being governed by people who are involved if you're not satisfied with the way things are going you need to get involved that's the way the constitution set up mm -hmm. one of the things i kept hearing in the state of the union while i was listening to the state of the union they kept calling this a democracy this is not a democracy this is a republic there's a big difference between a republic and a democracy and that's one of the things that we would like to teach people about is the difference between a, a democracy and a republic tom you're the expert on that you want to fill in here or well, well, you know, I'm mad. I can talk about anything anytime right, you want me to talk yeah. about. I, I can just go crazy. If, if so. we are, we're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. And when, when the founding uh, founders 
of the Constitution, uh, Benjamin Franklin was asked, they said, uh, you know, what kind of government have we, have we formed? And Jefferson's, I mean, uh, uh, Franklin's reply was, we formed a republic if we can keep it. And these founders, they thought this was the purest form of government that, that had ever been conceived uh, or created. And uh, it was created with a belief in God, that God was going to bless this country. And God did bless this country. But he blessed it because there was no Democrats and there was no Republicans back then. Can you imagine trying to put together a constitution today with the Democrats and the Republicans fighting back and forth? They can't even put together a health bill. No. What we have here in the United States right now, we have a civil war going on. And it's not with guns and, and, and ammunition or, or, or any kind of bombs, whatever. What's happening is we have our own Congress that are at battle with each other, and they don't represent uh, you or me. They're not doing the will of the people. They're doing the will of the party. And it's just disgraceful of, the, of what's going on in, in, in this country. Now. You're right. It's like I was telling you last week. I don't know how many people listened to the show last week when we was talking about the, we was talking about the House of Representatives. Here's the difference between a republic and a democracy, just a touch base. A democracy is judged by the majority of the population. We are not judged by or governed by the majority. We have, we have little districts broken down. That's why there's 400 and something House of Representatives because they represent 700,000 people in each district. Now, out of that 700,000, you've got to remember, probably half of those people are children. And about another half, of the, and then the half of the half is probably people who are actually adults, and then a half and half of that is probably the real people who vote. So you're looking at maybe 200,000 people who are voting. So if you're not satisfied with your house as a representative, which ours has been lost for a while, if anybody ever sees Kathy Castor, please let us know where she is because she's lost. I don't know where the woman is. One thing that Washington said is that you cannot be enslaved by Bible-reading Bible people. you got to remember... The Bible was one of the books that the founding fathers used to set up this republic with. Whether you like it or not, the Bible was part of one of the books that was used. I'm in the process of reading a book called Two Wings. And it's not that what the Bible wasn't the only book they used, but it was one of the majority books that they used. And when Washington said, we cannot be enslaved by a Bible, you cannot enslave a people who are reading the Bible. What that means is if you are educated and understand that God is with you, and God is involved in this, then you would understand that what, what that meant. Well, another thing is, uh, anybody ever checked the stock market this week and see what's happened the first th uh, two weeks of the, of the 2016? The stock market is down 1,000 points. The About 2,000 points. 2,000 points. And you know what's happening? We never before in our history has foreign countries governed our economy. The way it has right now and that's because we have representatives that just let everything go the biggest mistake that this country has ever made was was nafta we Amen. sent jobs all over the the world and now we have the one of the highest unemployment rates well according to the the government i mean if you go personally because i know my uh, uh people personally that that can't find a job and uh you know you, you're saying that the, the unemployment rate is only five percent but it's a lot higher than that because they're not counting people that just gave up looking for jobs so uh we have a world economy that's affecting the united states and we need to to bring back some of the manufacturing jobs to this country so that we can we can uh, prosper the way we were prospering during the industrial revolution uh we're yeah, gonna they, they <coughs> use statistics and statistics is a is a, a great math, math mathematical tool 
I'm sorry, I'm a little tongue-tied this morning. But uh, statistics, statistics can be manipulated. I can take a statistics problem and manipulate it to read whatever I want it to read. And that basically is what the government does, is they take a statistics problem and they manipulate it to, be, to read what they want to read. So when Tom tells you that the, pop, the unemployment population is about, two, uh, it's about 5%, really, you need to triple that. So it's about 15 to 20%. And that's not including the people who have left the stock market. I mean, not the stock market, the labor market. There are some people who have just quit trying, man. And that's not the America I was raised up in. And that's not the America I want my children to be raised up in. I mean, I, listen, I, I work now at a part-time job just to hang out with these young kids, just to, to talk to them. And they, I, I, listen, I'm excited about the future. I talk to these kids. They don't, they're not talking about the state being their, their provider. They talk about being entrepreneurship. And that's what I'm encouraged about. See, we need to get the entrepreneur spirit back. Tom, Tom knows about entrepreneurship. Tell us some of the things you know about that. What was that you used to tell me about the eight steps to communism or something? Well, we can get that after the break. But we're getting ready to go to a break real, real quick. And uh, we'll start talking about uh, some of the agendas of the socialist Democrat and see where we go from there. All right. We back. We back. Uh, we're back live uh, from Tampa, Florida, at the uh, Martin Luther King Heritage Week. We're going to be celebrating Martin Luther King's ho holiday Monday, so you're going to hear some background noise, and Tommy's going to talk to you about some other things about the run. We were talking about before the break about the the world economy, and uh, you know we're getting ready to give 150 billion dollars to Iran. You know this country has has a lot of issues and a lot of problems. In, in this country, and 150 billion dollars will go a long way to helping some of the people in this country. I think we lost the, the philosophy of you know taking care of our own, and uh, we're taking care of the rest of the world. I think we need to slow down. And then when some of our politicians talk about uh, what do they call the the um, in, giving away money, uh, they they talk about uh, uh, social security being being a, a tax burden on the on, on our economy and our, our people we give way too much money to other countries yeah well here's a newsflash just to tell you if you're not a citizen of the united states the constitution doesn't contain pertain to you so you're not really entitled to social security benefits or welfare or any of that stuff i mean did, when you served in the military did you fight for all these mexicans coming up from, from no. the border no. that no. are illegal no no oh. not at all man when, we, when I served my country, we were trying to stop the spread of communism throughout the world. But little did we know that they were right here in, the, in our country the whole time. So basically, uh, let me tell you what some of the agenda is for the, the socialist Democrats. Because now, between the Democrat and the Republican Party, I don't see a big difference. Uh, the first thing that's on the list is health care. If you control health care, you control the people. And they've already passed health care. Poverty, we increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you are providing everything for them to live. Our uh, welfare program has increased 50% over this administration in the last seven years. If the economy is doing so great, why have we increased welfare 50%? The debt. If we increase the debt to an unsustainable level, that way you are unable to increase tax that way you are able to increase taxes and this will produce more poverty now 
we've increased our debt twofold. We've gone from about $9 trillion when Obama took office to $19 trillion today, and it's faster. The conversation that we're having right now has just increased the, the, the debt by a million dollars. It's ridiculous. There's no way to pay that off. We're actually spending money faster than they can print it, and it's just not uh, sustainable. Uh, gun, uh, education, if you control what the people read and listen to and take control of the children, what they learn in school, and we have taken away history from our children. We don't discuss history the way, the way we normally do. We don't, they don't know about the Constitution. They don't know about, they don't even know who the representative is. They, don't even, they may not even know who the mayor of their city oh, is. Yeah, go ahead. You know, and uh, I'd be worried if I was uh, a little bit like that. The sixth thing, the seventh thing, the sixth thing is religion. If you remove religion, take God out of uh, government and schools, and we've done a very good job of that. And we've let the minority tell, dictate to us that we didn't want God in school or prayer in school. I remember going to school in Tampa. Every morning we would have a, a moment of silence. Before we had a, a silent prayer, and then we did the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States. Then it was a moment of silence, and then we had the Pledge of, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States. Now, we took away the moment of silence, but we still had the Pledge of Allegiance of the United States. And now, I doubt very seriously if they even do the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States. So, the only thing that, that's left before a total takeover of this country is gun control. And, that's and if, we, if we allow that, then we're done. That's why they're fighting so hard to take control of your guns. They're scared of you. Here's a little fact that most people don't understand. Last week before, I talked about the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor when they did you know why they did not they well let me go back here let me just tell you this little story uh, the Japs after the Japanese lost World War II our generals asked the Japanese generals to go well, why didn't you invade the, the United States I mean why did you stop at Pearl Harbor and they because they said because America has the biggest standing army in the world and what's that mean is it means our citizens are armed that's what it talks about. They were scared to come in here because we are armed. It's not that we're armed to go out and kill everybody. It's that the only country in the world that is armed is the United States. And that has saved us from a lot of invasions just by that. So am I a Second Amendment person? Yes, I am. But I, did I live with a weapon for three years? Yes, I did. So have I had my fill of them? Yeah, I have. But do I want to give up my Second Amendment rights? No, I do not. So that's what, I, that's what we're talking about. That's why there's such a big, hard push on the, the taking away the gun rights the bigger the push the harder that's the last thing they've got guys they've taken the bible out of the out of the, out of the schools totally and remember what washington said you cannot enslave a, a population that reads the bible if you're reading the bible you cannot be enslaved at some point in time we got to stop seeing color and start seeing americans you get over it you got to get over it and get on with it you got to stop seeing color and start seeing americans I'm, I'm, you know, Tom, I'm, anytime right. you want to jump in here, you, I can't, you can, you know, but right. I can go crazy. I can talk all day long, you know. Well, class warfare is something that we shouldn't be allowed to, we, we, we don't need in the United States of America. If we divide the people into the wealthy and the poor, the black or the white, this is cause discontent and it's easier to take over. We need to come together as the people, unite as a people. We have so many issues outside of our country that should be bringing us together. Like when 9-11 uh, 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 That's right. On 9/11, uh, the the country came together to fight the 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 evil that was coming into this country, and now you have uh, refugees and 
we bring in an average, legally, we bring in an average of about a million people a year into this country. That's a million people that, that are have to have to find jobs. Yeah. That's a million people that we have to, to provide welfare, shelter, clothing. We don't even take care of our own. Right. Yeah, we're bringing in wealth. We're bringing in refugees, and we're bringing in uh, more more people into this country where we can't even provide for our own. We need to start taking care of America first. That's we right. Need to take, That's we right need to bring on. back America and, and and take care of our own people and, and not worry so much about the refugees coming into this country because now they can't even vet them. You know, when Donald Trump says uh, we need to stop the, the Muslims from coming into this country, you know, maybe he didn't say it right. Maybe he didn't say use the, the correct words because uh, Richard's lay people. He's a business person. He's not a, 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 a Real politician, but no I don't politician. That's right. And so he, you know, he was he wasn't very careful with the words he used. But it was a, uh, interesting to note that a week later, the Congress of the United States passes a, a you know a bill saying, hey, we're not going to allow any refugees we're, into this country. We're going yeah. uh, 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 to put a hold on that. So basically, you know, what he's saying is is that it's not the Catholics that are coming into this country and and bringing in uh, bombing. Uh, 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 churches. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not, not the Baptists that are coming into this country and and shooting fourteen people. It's not the Protestants that are coming into this country and shooting, going to schools and killing people. It's it's a certain person. It's Islamic. It's Muslim or whatever. And we need, to, like you said, we need to find out what is going on before we we allow any more into the country. Well, and the Muslim community. Uh, I have friends that are Muslim people, and and uh, and if it's a religion, whatever. It, but we need to come together, too, as a community, and you need to condemn what is going on here. And I don't see a whole lot of condemnation in that community uh, condemning what's, what you know th these people are doing. Uh, we need to come together, and we need to, to fight for the basic rights of the United States of America. When you come to this country, we had a Constitution, we had a Bill of Rights. And you... And that applies to the citizens of the United States. It doesn't say to come over here and, and create Sharia law. We, we understand that we all have our religious freedoms, and we want to abide by those freedoms. But we also have laws. We're a country of laws, and we ought to abide by them and not try to, to change them uh, to, to fit your needs. Yeah, so. You ought to get into Sharia law. And if you ever sit down and really read Sharia law, you would understand why we're so against Sharian law. I mean, it is one of the most racist laws on the planet. Not racist, it's bigoted and everything else. Here's, here's my thought. What kind of religion that the more religious you get, the more violent you get? I mean, well, have you heard of Christians who are very religious all of a sudden take a gun and go out and start killing people? I mean, what kind of religion is that? Now, let's look at this. Here's an article out of the St. Pete Times dated uh, January the 3rd, 2016. It's about a woman who was a Syrian woman who was migrating to the to the Europe. Now, here's the, the thing with this. When she ran out of money, her husband started pimping her. You know what I mean by that? He, she became a prostitute. So she would, so, I mean, how do you do that? How do you, re, how do you take your wife, uh, the mother of your children, and then start pimping her? And then say, you do it in the name of God? Please be realistic with that. Now, here's some of the things that she's, they found her in an emergency, they interviewed her. She was at an emergency shelter with her children. She didn't give her name because she's afraid. The reason she's afraid is because her husband and her husband's relatives want to execute her because she brought shame to the family. I mean, how do you do that? How, how do you live with that? This woman sleeps with her clothes on. Every time she goes to sleep, she pushes a cabinet, a cupboard board up against the door at night. She stopped 
washing so that she would not be attacked. Can you believe stop washing so you're not being attacked? I mean, good Lord. I mean, she's, and she was beat up, abused, to the point where her husband started abusing her and raping her. I mean, and this is, and then they sit and, I, I have a hard time with that. When you read this about this, I know the Christian religion did some things back during her crusades and turned back in the 1500s or the 1400s and all that. But I don't read today about any Baptist going out and raping his wife and beating her up and forcing her into pr prostitution. So I don't know. It seems like to me, the more religious you become with the Muslim religion, the more violent they become. You got there's. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can read the article. It's in the Tampa Bay Times, uh, January the third, two thousand sixteen. I'm not just making this up. It's called a, a magazine. It's called a, a, the Woman's Trials for. There's a civil war going on in this country. We use names like liberal, conservative, progressive, Democrat, Republican, fiscal conservative, and the list goes on and on. Rarely do we identify ourselves as Americans anymore, and we need to become one. A house divided cannot stand. We look for solutions to the problems of the country, and we, the people, turn to the political parties that got us into this situation in the first in the first place. Now, does that make sense? We need to to examine uh, who we put in the office, and we need to put term limits. We need to get people out of office that aren't doing the will of the people. All we right. have. Go, go on, ahead. Tom. Go on. I'm. Uh, uh, we're out here in the middle of no out the middle of a celebration. We don't have our headsets on, so we really can't hear off of each other and play back and forth. So and we have a lot of interruptions. We're you know, basically shooting from a, the hip on this. And one. we have great background music. By the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got this background music, and it makes it a little hard to hear. So we're trying to have a good time, and we're trying to also tell you that you know we're do not we're trying to, to tell people to quit seeing color and start seeing Americans. It's, it's, quit seeing color and start seeing Americans. Listen, I, they don't call me the madman for any reason. I mean, I get so upset sometimes, I can't, my words, my thought is faster than my language. And, I and have I'm to here slow just down to calm so him down. Come, yeah, I have to I'm calm. just here to, to, to put a, a chain on this man and calm yeah. him down. <laughs> yeah, he's the one with the brains. I'm just a madman. So, <laughs> so anyway, right. listen, what we're getting ready to take back, I think we're listening to Michael Jackson. And look at the man in the mirror. If you want to know what the problem is, go to the man. Listen to that song. All right, we'll be back in t about two minutes. Okay, we're back. This is the Madman. Now, we're going to be talking mostly about Martin Luther King. That's why we're out here doing this live remote. It's because we're, we want to honor a man who started out to do a peaceful movement, to bring, make us aware of the color scheme. You know, at some point in time, we've got to cop, stop. I'm, you're going to hear me say this a lot. You're going to hear me say this a whole bunch in the next, over the next year. We've got to stop seeing color. We've got to start seeing Americans. And I tell people that. When I went, went into the service, I didn't go into the service for white boys. I went to the service for the American citizens. Americans are all colors. They're all, all brands. We're, we're a melting pot. That's what makes us so unique. We're, not a, we're, not a, we're, we're a society made up of different societies. And we intermingle together. And that's what makes us great. That's our greatness. Now, we want to honor Martin Luther King, so I'm going to let Tom, the man with the brains, talk to you. You know, but it seems like uh, uh, the American people come together when there's a moment of tragedy. And we need to stop, stop coming together. We need to come together at all times. But I was going through the Internet uh, the other day, and I was looking at uh, some of the uh, accomplishments of uh, Dr. King. And 
I ran into 20 interesting facts uh, that, that are little known about Martin Luther King. And maybe you know them, but I was just going to uh, say something for the, for, the, the, for the audience out there. Martin Luther King, his real, his real name was not Martin, but it was Michael. His father was also Michael King, since uh, why Martin Luther King Jr. was originally named Michael King Jr. However, after a trip to Germany in 1931, Michael King Sr. changed his own name in homage to a historic German theologian, Martin Luther. Michael King Jr. was two years old at the time, and King Sr. made the decision to change his son's name to Martin Luther as well, and I thought that was very interesting. At the age of 12, he seemed to have tried to commit suicide. It was May of 1941 when his grandmother passed away after a heart attack, and at that time of this event, King Jr. was off disobeying his parents by going to watch a parade when they told him not to. When he came home and learned his grandmother had died, he went upstairs and jumped from a second story window of his house. Fact number three, King wasn't the only one to die at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis on April 4th, 1968. After he was killed, one of the hotel workers, Lorraine Bailey, who was also the wife of a motel owner and who was named after, who was named after, upon seeing King get shot, had a heart attack and later died from this. This was partially why there was such a delay in getting in an ambulance as Lorraine was also the switchboard operator and so Reverend Samuel Kyles attempted to call an ambulance using the phone in the hotel lobby. Nobody was at the switchboard to make that happen. I, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Oh. Number four, also the, the day that King was killed, he was out on the balcony for a smoke. And while you would be hard-pressed to find a picture of him smoking, he smoked regularly. Though, and uh, though he had a habit of hiding this particular uh, fact due to a stigma, partially within the church at the time, but he also, because he didn't want his kids to take up smoking, so there's not pictures of him himself smoking. Uh, one thing that's we share in common, but I gave up smoking when I was 25 years old for the simple reason that I had my daughter was being born, and I didn't want I wanted to set a good example for my children. I didn't want them smoking at the time either. One day I came home and I caught my youngest smoking a cigarette, and that aggravated me so mad that Go on, I that I took her and I took her and I told her I said I quit smoking which was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, to give her an opportunity to, to see, to, to set a good example for her, and now she was going to start smoking, and I don't think she ever smoked again after that. Yeah, I think what Tom's trying to say is we're not the judge. We're not here to judge you. If you smoke, you smoke. I mean, that's what you do. We just choose not to do that. And we're not saying that it was evil that Martin Luther King smoked. There's a gnat flying around my head. I can't seem to catch that sucker. But anyway, that, it's just one of the known, unknown facts that most people don't know about Martin. Dr. King was so wrapped up in his family that he made a point to hide smoking so his children did not pick up the habit. That's what we're trying to show. We're trying to show respect to this man. This man was, had the heart of Gandhi. You know, he believed in peace, you know, a peaceful movement, which true, which proved to be correct. You got some more facts there, Tom? Yeah, fact number five. Martin Luther King was nearly assassinated a decade earlier than his ultimate death. And while on a book tour signing copies of his book, Stride Towards Freedom, on September 20, 1958, King was approached by Azola Ware, 
Curry, who asked him if he was Martin Luther King Jr., which, of course, he, referred, he said yes. And when he said that, she said, I've been looking you f for you for five years. And she pulled out a letter opener and stabbed him in the chest. It took three full hours to remove the blade. The reason? The sharp point end of the blade was pressing against his aorta. And the doctors had to ex be extremely careful while removing it because of this. The doctor, was a Dr. Maynard, told him that if you had sneezed during the hours of waiting, your aorta would have been punctured and you would have drowned in your own blood. I know, I didn't know that either. That's interesting. I mean, there's Little a known fact number six. Dr. King Jr. skipped two grades in high school. He skipped the ninth and the eleventh, and he entered college, Morehouse College, at the tender age of 15 in 1944. By 19, he had received a bachelor's degree in sociology. Yeah, he very was, intelligent he, man. Yeah, he very intelligent. Had high IQ. Most people don't know that about Mark, Dr. King. They said he was not a dummy. There's a lot of people out there that had to skip grade. You got some more facts there, don't yes. you? Number seven. He didn't. He almost didn't become a minister. After graduating from college, he still had a serious doubts about Christianity and the Bible, and he told his father, who was a Baptist minister, that he didn't want to be a minister and instead was considering becoming a doctor or a lawyer. He later decided that the Bible was many had many profound truths which one cannot escape and chose to become a minister. Entering seminary at Crozier Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, he graduated with his PhD at the age of 25. 25 years old. Fact num little known fact number eight. Although King today is often remembered as being an amazing speaker, he got a C in public speaking during his first year at seminary. This likely isn't because he was actually bad at public speaking at this point. His father noted that even before going to seminary, King Jr. was one of the best public speakers he'd ever seen. Whatever caused this professor to give him a C, by his final year, King had straight A's and was a valedictorian of his class and the student body president. Well, I think sometimes teachers don't understand the student they got in their hands. I, mean, I think sometimes you're a natural-born leader. Right. I think they are. I think Martin Luther King was one of those. He was one of those natural-born leaders. Cool. All right. Little known fact number nine. His honeymoon was spent at a funeral parlor. <laughs> Not because someone had died, simply because a friend owned the parlor and offered to let him use it for his honeymoon. Now, that is that's a little... <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot to go on, guys. I mean, he didn't start his career with a big bank bankroll, okay? So, <laughs> so you got to give the man credit. Go on, Tom. All right. Little known fact number 10. Dr. King convinced Herrera on Star Trek, which was Nichelle Nichols, who incidentally later went on to work for NASA, to continue with her role after the first season. Nichols start, uh, stated that uh, he told her not to leave the show because she was not only playing a black person as the main character on TV, but she was also playing a character that didn't conform to the stereotypical black person of the day, usually portrayed. Rather, Aurora was portrayed as an intelligent member of the crew and an equal to those around her. It seems to have had the intended effect. Whoopi Goldberg once stated that when she first saw the character of Aurora on TV, she said, Mama, there's a black lady on TV, and she ain't no maid. It was particularly, uh, it was partially because of this 
that Goldberg became a huge Star Trek fan and later pushed so hard to get a character on Star Trek The Next Generation despite the disbelief that producers said that she'd uh, actually wanted to be on the show. We're here. We're here. I haven't gone anywhere. He's uh, just turning his notes. Uh, little known fact number 11. King to this date, which was uh, at the time of this writing, uh, was the youngest male to win the Nobel Peace Prize, winning it in 1964 at the age of 35. Uh, the youngest ever to win the Peace Prize today is Malay, Malayla Yosafasi, who won it in 2014 at the age of 17. Uh, again, uh, I'm not current on current events, so I'm not sure uh, if anybody else has won it since then. No, I think you're right. right. I think you're right. Yeah, little known fact number 12. Dr. King donated all of his all of the fifty-four thousand one hundred twenty-three dollars, which is about four hundred thousand uh, dollars today, that he received for his Nobel Peace Prize to the Civil Rights Movement. During his acceptance speech, he stated, "I believe the unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why. This is why right temporarily defeated his stronger than evil triumph." That's Little right. known fact number 13, Dr. King won a, germ, a, a Grammy and was awarded a Congressional Gold Medal and Freedom Medal of Freedom. The Medal of Freedom and the Gold Medal make sense, but, but how on earth did he win a Grammy, you say? He won it in 1971 for Best Spoken Word Album, Why I Opposed the War in Vietnam. Little known fact number 14. His house was once bombed. That was during the, the Montgomery bus boycott, which lasted a total of 385 days. Isn't that something? I mean, people have had their house bombed and still be peaceful about it. That's who King was. King was a man of peace. Right. Little known fact number 15. His mother, Alberta Williams King, was also murdered. She was killed while attending church in Atlanta in 1974 by a 23-year-old man, Marcus Wayne Janot who believed all Christians are my enemies. He shot and killed her while she was playing the organ at church. That was a shame. Yeah, that's a sh what a waste. I mean, there's a lot of people get a waste. Listen, we're not, t we're not protesting against people who want to be citizens of the United States. We want to help you if you, that's what you want. We're trying to teach you about your history, which has been taken out of the school systems. All right, Tom. Little known fact number 16. Dr. King's autopsy revealed that stress had taken a major toll on his body. Despite just being 39 years old at the time of his death, one of the doctors noted that he had a heart of a 60-year-old person. That's a shame. Yep. Little known fact number 17. It wasn't until the year 2000 that all 50 states officially observed Martin Luther King Day. The last states to join up were Arizona in 1972, I mean 1992, New Hampshire in 1999, and Utah in 2000. The holiday itself was originally signed into a federal law by President Ronald Reagan in 1983 with the first Martin Luther King holiday on January 20, 1986. So we're getting ready to celebrate that on Monday here in Tampa. And, uh, you need to come down and enjoy the festivities and come down here today to the, to the Curtis Hickson Hall, uh, Curtis Hickson Park at uh, 600 North Ashley Street. And enjoy some of the festivities of the day. 
they're really uh, an opportunity to see some of the, the heritage that uh, they offer here in Tampa. And little known fact number 18. This was his uh, I Have a Dream speech, painted an even bigger picture, uh, he painted an even bigger target before on his back. Not just with certain people in the general public, but with the FBI. This was a memo circulated throughout the FBI offices after his speech. It, it says, in light of speech in, of uh, King's powerful demographic speech yesterday, he, st he stands heads and shoulders over all other Negro leaders put together when it comes to influencing great masses of Negroes. We must mark him now. If we have not done so before, as the nation's most dangerous Negro in the future of this nation from a standpoint of communism, the Negro and national security. This was a, the, the yeah. FBI later discovered King was supposedly having numerous affairs and sent him various anonymous letters stating such things. But I'm, we weren't going to go into that because we don't want to damage anybody's uh, We're not your judge. We don't judge. We're not to be the judge. That's not our jobs to judge. Yeah, but We're, the FBI had a target on him yeah. from... from uh, from a long time, from first day. And that was because of who was running the FBI. Right. So, so he had, the FBI had a target on a lot of people. King was just happened to be one of the people they had a target on. Right. You got some more facts there, don't well, you? Well, the last one. Today, over 700 streets in the United States are named after Martin Luther King Jr. With one such street in almost every major city. And we have our own here in Tampa, Florida. This is not even counting the amazing number of buildings, schools, and the like named after him. And I'll end this post with uh, one of the following quote from the Dr. King, which is uh, on the nonviolent resistance. Nonviolence resistance is not for cowards. It is not for a quiet, passive acceptance of evil. One is passive and nonviolent physically, but very active spiritually, always seeking ways to persuade the opponent of advantages to the way of love, cooperation, and peace. Dr. King, we salute you. Yes, a man of peace back now you had the intelligentness of tom the first part now the last part's mine not really but i do want to do some things i guess you gathered that tom and i are not politically correct we're not into that political correctness so he used the word negro and most people get upset with that well that word definition is spanish for black so it's politically correct because in spanish it means black most people don't know that they get offended by the word but that's what it says in spanish but again, Tom and I aren't into the political correctness. And if that bothers you, that's your problem, not mine. Because I think that's part of the problem is that there's too much political correctness. Sometime point in time, we've got to quit looking at color and start looking at Americans. We're, I mean, there's other people. We're going to be giving you history lessons, believe me. And it's not going to all be about white boys, okay? we got a lot. Uh, one of my favorite history, one of my favorite figures is Fredericks. How many people know about Fredericks? Do you have a... Remember who? Frederick Douglass? Du yeah, Frederick Douglass. Do you know Frederick Douglass was the first black man to sit on a presidential committee or a presidential, what is it called? The, uh, I forget what it's called. The president has his, his little crowd, his in crowd. Well, Frederick Douglass was born a slave and died a multimillionaire. He was an entrepreneur. Most people don't realize that. But Fredericks was born a slave. And I, I've always had a very, very passion about this man. And I'm going to be teaching you about that. We also have a passion that you got from Thomas. We have a passion about Martin Luther King, Dr. King. He was not, uh, he was a very intelligent man. So when he's preaching peace, he has a reason behind that. Isn't that right, Tom? Yes, he, he, he was a big, big reason. Uh, there's also some of the quotes that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, some, that was, uh, he's very noted for, 
I'd like, just like to share with you uh, this afternoon or this morning. And uh, number one is the time is always right to do what is right. And a lot of times uh, uh, we look at our, our, at our country and we don't do what's right. We do what's right for the Democrat. We do what's right for the Republican. But we don't do what's right for America anymore. Uh, we, we need to set, take out the party in politics and uh, start representing the people in politics. And that's you, me, and, and our neighbors. And uh, uh, we don't care if... Uh, uh, the religion, we don't care your political philosophies. We want you just to examine, like Ken said uh, earlier, look at the man in the mirror and see where we can stand and, and, and start with ourselves and putting ourselves back into the picture and, start, and, and our neighbors back in the picture and put America back into the picture and stop worrying about all this other uh, uh, stuff that's going on in the rest of the world and take care of our own. Now, another uh, uh, most, the, which one of the uh, 10 most tweeted Martin Luther King quotes was, Darkness can not drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that was a mo uh, 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 his movement. He was nonviolent. It was non. Uh, uh, we didn't have to uh, tear up cities. He didn't tear up cities. No, he didn't. You know, he didn't tear up uh, um, our own it's communities and, and set fire to our own communities. He did with love and peace, and that was a, he was very very admired for that. A third one is uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that is uh, so true because uh, we, we want the American way of life was, was for justice. Right. And when you start putting things on the back burner and you know, re when nobody is really above the law. Amen to that, and, brother. You know, and, and now we have a, a presidential candidate running for who's violated numerous laws. That's right. And now and, and it looks like that, that may go away. And so, you know, what does that say to the rest of us? Yeah, one of the biggest laws they violate is they take a paycheck every Friday and they don't go to work. I mean, when you elect an official to go to work to be representing you in the House of Representatives or as a U.S. Senator, they should be there, not out on the political trail. And that's why I have two candidates that I probably will never vote for because they're, they're U.S. Senators. Right. Not that they don't have bad ideas. They have great ideas. But they're paid to be U.S. Senators not candidates for the presidency. You got uh, some more stuff you want to say yeah. about Martin Luther King. Uh, number four, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And we, the American people, have just sat back and watched. And we've watched. And we've allowed uh, the Congress to get fat and sat, you know, just laid back. Because they don't represent us anymore. They get paid for doing nothing. You know, we always talk about the welfare uh, you know, giving people a handout. But what about, co uh, you know, they talk about corporate welfare, which is really uh, uh, something that needs to be uh, reeled in. But what about the corporate welfare, the people that sit there and get a paycheck and don't do nothing, that do not do the will for the American people? You know, 63% of the American people think things are not going the right way. And we need to make a change, and it, needs to, and it starts with us. And we have to start begin becoming more involved. And, and I'm not saying that you vote for the candidate I believe in or vote for the candidate Ken believes in. But I am right. saying pick a, pick a side and, 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 and represent yourself and represent our country. Think for yourself is what Tommy's trying to say. Quit listening to what the Republicans and the Democrats tell you. Think for yourself. You have your own brain between, that, between those ears. Use it. God gave you a brain to use. Use it. Number five, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. 
Isn't that the truth, man? Right. And hate only going to get you, uh, it's not good for you because uh, I think it's proven a medical fact that hate even affects your health. It does. You That's know? right. It does. You're right. It's so. a, hate is the cause of stress and stress. You can't, listen, there's things you can't change. Hate will not solve it. The only way you're going to change things is through love. That's, here's a perfect example I'm going to talk to. Gandhi got depend, independence of India through peace. They beat him, they shot him, they end up killing him, but he beat it the most, he beat it the world's power at that time. You got to remember when Gandhi roamed the world or roamed the earth, England was the superpower. And there was only one superpower, which was England. And they beat him and, he, and did all kinds of horrible things to him, but he stayed on the side of peace, which is the same thing that Dr. Martin Luther King preached. Dr. Martin Luther King preached peace. I know I get radical sometimes, but believe me, I am into peace movements. I'm not into, we're not talking about picking up guns and being a revolution. We're talking about getting involved in your politics. Remember, Thomas Jefferson said, you're, you're, we are governed by the majority of people involved in the politics system. We want you to get more people involved. I think you have some more facts you want to talk about. Yeah. Number six, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Number seven, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. That, that's a, you always have to be forgiving. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing. It's, I'm sorry. And, go ahead. and that's everyday thing yeah. because uh, everybody you ever know is going to disappoint you. That's right. So you just have to, uh, to have forgiveness in your heart. Number eight. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Amen to that. You know, and again, it said looking in the mirror and saying, you know, what have I done for you, for somebody else today? What have I, how have I changed the life in one other person today? You know, that's a, that has a great thing to do with it. I think we're going to learn a lot uh, from this gentleman. Uh, number eight. Well, I just said number eight. Yeah. <laughs> number nine. Well, with all the noise down here, it's kind of hard uh, to keep your concentration. Uh, we want to go play in the festivities. Uh, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity that's yeah. right and yeah. that's why they down that's why they dumb down the school systems they do not want you to be they we only got about two more minutes left but i just want to say this one point they dumb down the school system so that you cannot think for yourself education is the biggest anti device against prejudice and all the world injustice become educated i think you have a couple more all right for the One program. more, and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, and I think this is very significant, is that we must we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And that's the truth, and that's what we're closing it with today, is the infinite hope. We've always got to look to the higher power uh, in our hearts, and let him come into our heart, and open our hearts for, for our fellow man, and let's do what's right for the country, and let's do for what's right for our people. And with that, I think uh, we're coming to the end of our show. And it was a great Saturday. Get down to the Heritage Festival in, in Tampa at 600 North Ashley Street. Come to the AGM tent and uh, say hello to Pastor Gallen, who's a sponsor of our show. And uh, we'll have a great day. Beautiful yeah, day in Tampa I think we're, we're almost ready. To, one thing I do want to say, we talk a lot about people who come in through the back door. If you want to come through the front door, look up Tom and I. We'll help you. We're, we're not here to be your enemy. We're here to help you. Just do it the right way is all we're asking. Do it the right way, okay? 
And I think with that, we're about ready to through because we're getting ready to go party, party. All right. <laughs>